Hello and welcome to another episode of Interview with a Schizophrenic. I'm your host, Duncan Samuel Singer, and today I have the great pleasure of having Nico with me. She is from Normal, Illinois. She's 50 years old and has a diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder with ADHD. So Nico, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Fine. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate being here. It's absolutely my pleasure. So Nico, the first question is slightly different than usual. What I want to ask you is how is your mental health today? Well, the schizoaffective stuff is really good. But the ADHD stuff has been pretty bad, actually. Um, I think that I've really learned a lot about ADHD and executive function disorder the past few months or a year that I had no idea. You know, it's it's weird. Like with ADHD, you can't get anything done because you can't get anything started. And then you can't finish anything when you start it. And you will sit and ruminate over starting something. It's really kind of a nightmare. And then you will sit for 12 hours and not do anything. So I've been struggling with that, and I didn't realize what it was until fairly recently. But I talked to Doc and got a med change, and I'm actually feeling a lot better with that just the past few days. So I think today, today I'm pretty good. Everything's pretty solid. So <laughs> That's good. That's good. You know, I mean, because you're similar age to me, and I think when we get to our age, we kind of get used to it, you know, and it's... And we, our coping skills are a little bit better than when we were in our 20s and 30s. You know, it's um, funny. I, I had read an article about as far as ADHD goes and how to deal with executive function disorder as an adult. And as I was reading through, some of it talked about tricks you do for kids. You get all their stuff together, you know, get everything you're going to need, anything you might think of. Get it all together, you know, and you got to organize it this way and you got to do the time this way and you got to take your breaks this way. You know, and as I was reading through that, I'm like, well, I've always done that. Like, <laughs> this is not new information. Yeah. Okay, I'm doing all this right, but it's not working. So, but yeah. Yeah, a lot, of the, information, yeah, a lot of the information is um, they kind of recycle the same old things, I notice, you know, mm-hmm. and and you kind of think, yeah, okay, I know about that. I know about that. It's like, it's like when folks say, oh, yeah, you've got to exercise and eat well. Yeah, we kind of know about that, you know. I mean, you know, it's yeah. not new information, you know. It's not new information, but a lot of it is like, how do I get to where I can do that, you know? Okay, Nico, so what I want to ask you is, if you could give us a brief history of your mental health journey and how it began, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, I think... Um... I didn't get my diagnosis until I was 35, and uh, but previous to that, I know as a teenager I was bipolar for sure, mm-hmm. and I, you know, you know how it is. You get that boyfriend who's the bad boy, and then you start medicating, self-medicating with cocaine. So <laughs> that always made that made everything better. But mm-hmm. um, um, so I had quit doing drugs and got pregnant and I was 16 and I had a suicide attempt because my bipolar is really bad and I had a suicide attempt and they that was my first time I went to the hospital and while I was in the hospital of course they couldn't give me any medications because I was pregnant but uh, I had a psychiatrist and I did not I was there with all kinds of kids who'd had drug problems and I'm like I don't want to do the NA thing I'm not in the mood to get drug counseling 
I quit six months ago on my own with an addict in the house. I don't need this shit. I don't, we're not going to talk about this, but I had a twitch. I had a, I had a tell. And when I get nervous, I rub my nose. So I'm in this hospital full of people who know these things and a psychiatrist who knows these things in San Diego, California in like 1987, the height of cocaine. And this psychiatrist looks at me and he goes, you know, every time you get in, every time you talk to me, you rub your nose. Like the week before, the day before, a couple days before he'd said that. I said, well, we're just outside and there was a bug, you know. Okay. So he made me nervous. I twitched my nose. I rubbed my nose. He goes, you know, there's no bugs in here. I was like, excuse me? He said, yeah, you rubbed your nose. I'm like, fuck, they're going to keep me for weeks. I got to do drugs. I The drug thing, I don't want to do this. And he goes, you know what I think your problem is? I think you don't like the size of your nose. (laughs) I was quite comfortable with the size of my nose, as a matter of fact. And I said, excuse me? He goes, yeah, I don't think you're comfortable with the size of your nose. That's why you touch your nose when you're nervous. I said, do you know what? I think you're right. And mm. by God, I made strides and leaps and bounds when it was released within less than a week because I was just cured. And I never wanted to see another psychiatrist again <laughs> because they're full of shit. They don't know nothing, you know. Yeah, and yeah okay. In 2000... I got sent home from work to be, I was about 30 and my illness was bad. So I went to see a psychiatrist and they were treating me for depression and anxiety. So they were jamming me full of antidepressants, which was making me manic. And then they were jamming me full of Xanax to bring down manic because they're just mismedicating me. And that ended with me knocking a bunch of stuff off of my fireplace in a big dramatic fashion and slitting my wrist open on a broken candle thing on a broken lamp and i had to have real serious surgery it took out the artery and all the tendons and the nerve you know i can use my hand just fine though and so this was this was a big dramatic it was an accident it didn't slit my wrist but i had big i was in the middle of a everything was not good in my life and there's a bunch of drama going on and i did this big dramatic sweep across my my fireplace top to knock everything off and i got cut mm-hmm. okay. and so i quit taking meds after that obviously they weren't working it's making me worse and so five years after that i was really depressed and i went to the prompt care my husband said you need my ex-husband said you need to go do something You're, there's something wrong they'll get help so I'm 35, I go to the prompt care, and I'm crying, and I said, everything's fine, I don't know what's wrong, and prompt care doctor, who I will, every time I see her, I say, oh, yeah, you're the doctor that saved my life. She said, you might be bipolar, I don't want to give you anything. Here's a family doctor, see this family doctor. He gave me Zyprexa. Yeah. The next day, I was a different person, different person altogether. So I get a psychiatrist, and I'm seeing my psychiatrist, and he says, well, Zyprexa will make you fat. So we went to Geodon, and that's been my magic bullet as far as mental health goes. Um, But within a few months, not a year, my oldest son committed suicide. And after his suicide, um, around the time of his, around the time of the inquest, I was talking to the uh, coroner, and he he said, do you want to know what I'm going to say at the inquest? 
And everything in my body said no. And I, of course, said yes. And he told me. And by the end of that, I had a complete psychotic break and believe my son was not dead. Okay. So I did not go to the hospital for that, but they put me on a... And that one that starts with an R. Risperdone. Okay. And I came out of that within the night. And uh, I did eventually go to the hospital. But that break from reality uh, was what changed my diagnosis to schizoaffective disorder. And because I was in a cult, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, mm-hmm. I also had delusions about demons being everywhere. And I had a lot of delusions. I was pretty sick. I was, it, I mean, I was sick enough that it really ruined my marriage. My second marriage ended when I had a suicide attempt and it was not good. Things were in my life. I was not, I was not well for a very long time. And this was 40, I was 40. So 10 years ago was my last suicide attempt. Yeah. But I'm in such a better place now, just so you know. Okay, fine. So, I mean, you have been through a hell of a lot by the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, I guess from leaving school till 2000, you know, things probably were okay. I don't know. Um, but it seems everything sort of started and snowballed after then. Um, yeah. And maybe your older son committing suicide, maybe that was a severe trigger for you. Um, it was definitely. That was, did not see that coming. Yeah. I mean, I've, I haven't had a suicide in my family. But from what I've heard about it, it can be extremely uh, distressing um, mm-hmm. when it's somebody that's close to you, I think. Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, so that that would probably be a major trigger. They have imagine. studies on trauma and what it does to your brain. My mom died when I was 18 months old. I was born addicted to heroin, and my mom died in a car accident when I was 18 months old. So I remember my first what I'd consider a psychotic break. I was like four and I had a whole meltdown over this teddy bear being real. It was not cool. So I was a real sick kid, you know, and ADHD on top of it, but I was loved and cared for and taken care of. But I think that trauma and then the trauma of my son's suicide altered some brain stuff for me. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's definitely, from what I've read, they say trauma is considered to be a major factor in causing psychosis. You know, there, there, are, there are other factors, but to be honest, trauma is what I recognize with myself as well. Um, my life is different to yours, but I still feel that trauma is probably a major factor. And, yeah. and it can cause, you know, I guess when you have a psychotic break, your mind is rejecting your reality and creating a new one. You know, yes. It's, it's creating a new it's reality. It's one it can cope with, yes. Yeah, one it can cope with. You know, so that that's what it's doing. So I can, you know, I can imagine that that's, it's the mind, it's the mind is doing its job, you know? Yeah. So, so that is fine. So, you, yeah. But, you, but you've got a daughter. Have you got any other uh, kids as well? I have a son. Well, I have two sons. I had two sons and two daughters. My oldest son died when he was 19. Um, my youngest son is 28 and mentally ill and unmedicated. I had to call the police and the crisis team for him the other night, and he chose not to get help. 
So I don't know how that's going to go, but I love him very much, and I want him to get better. I sent him information, you know, and that's all I can do from for now. Um, my oldest daughter, she has depression, but she's well and healthy, and really we get along great. Actually, my son, my youngest son and I get along great too, um, mm. but he's just not talking to me right now. But mm. we get along great, but he's sick, and... Uh, my youngest daughter has borderline personality disorder, some schizoaffective stuff, some, um, you know, I don't regret having my children. I would, I love my children and I am blessed to have them no matter what's happened and what they do and what they've done. But had I known I was going to pass down this illness to them, I don't know that I would have done so, but I wasn't diagnosed until after I had them all. So, um, yeah, I yeah. think, um, I don't know, there, there's like a chance you can pass down like a, a susceptibility, like there's a mm-hmm. probable, I don't it's, it's not, it's not clear cut. It's not like a genetic disorder, is it? You know, it's not. It's not clear cut. And I guess if it was, maybe we'd handle it differently, but it's a crapshoot, you know, but I got it from my mom. She got it from her dad. My kids got it. Three of my kids got it from both sides, their mom and their dad. So I just, you know, I don't know. I, It's hard. It's hard to think that you cause the suffering of your children through no fault of your own. You know what yeah. I mean? I don't, I don't think you can think like that, you know? No, I know. Exactly. And that's why I try not to. Because you didn't do that, did you? Do you know what I mean? No. So- no, but that's why I said through no fault of your own. So yeah. you can't have guilt for something you didn't do, but you feel bad anyway. It's a complicated okay, parent fine. feeling. Okay, it's not logical. It just happens. Okay, Nico. So let me ask you some questions. Yeah. Um, how are you coping with life now? How's life now? Life's great. Um, three years ago, I went through another traumatic event. Surprise. Um, my last husband tried to murder me and I was in college at the time and a 4.0 grade point average. And, uh, well, I got three F's in a row right after that. So I had to quit school, but I got, a, I got my career that I want now. Um, I'm well, I'm healthy. Um, I'm not taking a bunch of meds. You know, I take one pill for antipsychotic. I take one antidepressant and I take my ADD meds. I mean, there was a period of time, 10 years ago where I was on six or seven meds, you know, just to get through the day, but I'm well, I'm healthy, I'm stable. I'm working as a social worker. I work in social work and I work in a rooming house with eight schizophrenics. And I feel like, mm -hmm, and I feel like raising kids who are mentally ill and living myself with mental illness. And I took a year as a CNA in a long terminal healthcare facility. Um, really has helped me to get to where I am now. I, I teach them life skills. Like I've been a mom for 30 years, you know, I've been teaching and I used to work in it. I worked as a professional cook for two years and I am a cake decorator and a baker and I was a CNA and I used to be a Jehovah's witness and I can literally talk to anybody, you know? And so I'm using all these things in social work and my mental illness to identify with the residents in a way that, uh, neurotypical people can't that work Definitely. in social work. Yeah. And I feel like I have a special bond with my residents, mm-hmm. some of them who know, because, you know, you can divulge a little bit, 
when you're talking with someone and you're trying to empathize with them, you know, but they know enough that I know about the voices. They know that I know about the little voice in your head when you're having a psychotic break that's actually telling you, shut the hell up, that's not real, you know, but you can't get it out, you know. So they know I understand a lot of things and I can, I can help, you know, and that's what I do. I work in a house and I made it a home and I teach them life skills. I've taught someone how to use critical thinking. I've taught people how to cook for themselves. I've have one girl, she won't ever, I don't think she'll get a job really out there in the world much. She, uh, she can, but I've been working with her in the kitchen on, um, doing prep work. She helps me bake and I have her do prep work and I'm training her to work in a kitchen, you know, that mm. she could, she has, she would have to work with someone due to her illness. She hallucinates and speaks to them. She knows they're not real because she doesn't talk to them out loud, but it's distracting and people notice. And, you know, I think when she yeah. can get to a better place, I think she'd really do well with that. So I just teach them stuff, you know, you know, you've got, um, You've got real life skills. Yeah. Know? It's like uh, you can't go to college to get taught. No. Um, hey, Bunny. You can't Sorry. go to college to get taught. Uh, okay. Yeah, you can't learn that in a book. <laughs> yeah, you can't, exactly. You can't learn that in a book. And, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I was reading about, like in, in the UK, you have these peer support workers. So basically, if you have a diagnosis yourself, you will go and counsel or you'll become a friend of, of somebody else who's got a condition, maybe they're younger, and um, you'll just help them and give them skills. But I hadn't heard know, about that. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's a good job. But um, I, t I just read somewhere that some of them, some of them can be a little bit, um, a bit cruel, you know, because, because they've got a job and... You know, they can be a bit sort of, um, I don't know what's the word, but it, like is acting as if, yeah, well, we've made it. So, and do you know what I mean? Like, like they're better uh, than everybody else. Better than everybody else, yeah, exactly. Which is um, which is probably something that they will grow out of, but they've got to go through that phase. I don't know. But um, so I, I guess that is like a, a danger. I, I just read that I don't recently. see that. I don't think that's a phase. I think that's a problem. Yeah. That's a personal that's a personal issue. That's a serious personal issue. Um, as far as a peer counselor as where I would be, I would fit in that category. I mean, except when you paid for it, you know. Mm -hmm. But if you are looking at yourself as anything other than an example for them, then you're doing this for the wrong reason. Your motive is bad. And you do not need to be helping other people. If your motivation is to look how much better I am than you, you've got other problems that need to be worked with, yeah. personally, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah, so I I was quite surprised when I read that because I work in um, software, I work in computing, but I was I actually did apply for some peer support jobs last year. I think I didn't I didn't even get an interview, you know. Um, yeah. But I thought because I thought it is something I would have liked to have done. It's it's kind of close to my heart. I think it's kind of like because you actually feel 
Whereas in some, when a lot of jobs, I say a lot of jobs, people do what they're doing, but to be honest with you, I don't know how much right. a difference it makes, you know? Right. How much right. of a, like just typing something on the computer or, you know, even selling in a shop, you know, I mean, is it making a difference in the grand scheme of things? You know, right. so that is, that's the, that's the difference, I suppose. Um, which is important, I think, you know, because at the end of the day, that that's what matters, I think, when you get older. You, know, you you look back and you think, well, well, the important parts of life is where you made a difference to someone, you helped someone, where you were yeah. kind to someone. You know? Yeah. That's, that's the thing that matters in the end. Yeah. It really does. Looking back on my life, you know, I was raised by my grandmother, and we were Catholic, and... Our main focus is who she was. I know she's a witch. I'm a witch too. I know she was a witch. She was a witch. Oh, I know it. I know it in my heart and soul. She was never. Oh, but she was. And um, she taught me to live by what Jesus said. You know, you take care of the elderly. You take care of the the orphans. You feed everybody. If you if they don't have you, give to them. Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, that you do unto me. When you when I was naked, you clothed me. You know, when uh, I was hungry, you gave me to eat. I've always done that. No matter what I have done for a job, I'm doing something for someone in that capacity. Uh, Whether it's literally taking care of kids who don't have family to take care of them, or, or feeding old people. I quit my job because a Jehovah's Witness sister moved because of her cancer into a an apartment. So I quit the job I had so I could go cook for her. So I'd make sure she was eating. I had that job for two years and then I, you know, started mental health and oh. my grandma taught me that you got to take And I, now it's what I do. I take care of the people who can't take care of themselves. And at the end of the day, you have to do something fulfilling. Exactly. If you, if you want to grow as a person, grow spiritually, that's the path, isn't it? You know, and, and, also, and, and, and what Jesus, what are you talking about Jesus, right? Um, yeah, that message is is I don't know in the, I don't know what it's like in America, but in the UK we don't hear about that side. The church is very, it's very kind of straight laced. They wear their yeah. robes, they sing their hymns, but they don't talk about what he actually did. You know, yep. two thousand years ago, what he what he actually, um, you know, he was a kind person. He was a rebel of his time. He, if he saw something in some people in authority, like the religious leaders, um, if they were say, I think they would, you know, like if, if they if they ignored a homeless person and go, oh, yeah. I don't want to speak to a homeless person, Jesus would go, no, 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 you you should speak to that person. That person's equal to you. Yes, you know? and and you know that sort of thing, and um, you don't you don't hear about that but that's the core message right and that and that's the core message which is timeless it really is because because i don't know that's that's what matters today and what always matters because at the end of the day um we all we're all going to need someone in our life at some point and you know that's that's important i think i think doing to others is really important but I think a lot of people get it twisted. They're like, I've been doing for people what I want people to do for me. And they're not doing it for me. 
It's not mm. what you're doing it, honey. Mm. You're doing it because it's the right thing. And if everybody did it because it was the right thing, your needs would be fulfilled too. But it doesn't mean you have to stop being a good person. Mm. Just keep doing the right thing. You'll get it. Someone will come into your life, you know. It all comes yeah, think, back. Karma's real. I think karma, because it's like, um, I was thinking about it recently. Like, if you give love to the universe, the universe will give you that love back. I'm not saying yeah. it will give you back. I'm not saying it will give it back, like, you know, at five o'clock this afternoon. But nope. maybe maybe next year, something good will happen. Or it just, it will start, things will start to get slowly better, you know? It's kind yeah. of like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's like, but I think, and, I, and also it's not a question of just doing, doing one thing. You've got to keep doing it. And you've got to be that person. It's true. Yeah. You have to actually be that human being. My grandma raised me like that. She was that human being. I'm that human being. And, you know, for everything I've been through and all all of it, you know, I look back and if I was raised differently by different people in a different environment, I would be a really completely different human being. Yeah. I really would be, you know. My, when I was a teenager, life was out of control and I was sick and I was angry and I was abused and I was abusing other people. It was just a nightmare. I mean, you know, and being where I am now in peace, you put love out to the universe. Yeah. You don't know how you're going to get it back. You know, I have all (laughs) of these incredibly fulfilling relationships, Yeah, you know? I'm getting love from people in ways that are just, that's what I need. You know, I mean, you think you tell the universe, I want this, I want that. Do you really though? I don't yeah. you see what the universe wants to give you and work with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I believe that as well, you know? Yeah. And you do get like, back what you, you do get back what you, you put out. I think, I think you do. Yeah. I think you do because I think you do, yeah. And, and you when you understand it, yeah. So you can't spew negative and hate no. and be that kind of black hole person and expect things to go well for you. Everything that you get, every good thing you get is gonna turn to shit, you know? That's my ex husband right now. Yeah. He's had a whole new opportunity and everything he touched and it makes me feel good, not because him, that's sad. It's pathetic. The whole thing is sad and pathetic with him. But it makes me feel good to know it wasn't me. It really was him. And I've grown from this. And, you know, he hasn't. And that's given me a lot of closure, you know. Are you are you also spiritual as you're religious or you're spiritual? Because I, I've oh, got, yeah. I'm I'm quite I'm quite into that spiritual side of life, you know? Yeah, I'm and, a witch. Um, I practice magic. So do you believe in an afterlife and I have, I died once and my son died once and my son told me about his near death experience and he ended up in the void. He was about six Mm -hmm. or seven. And, uh, he he told me his experience when he came out of the void. Um, I've read enough near death experiences. I've got a pretty good hold on what happens after you die. Um, your energy and it's another dimension and there's things you can do there's negative near-death experiences like the gates of hell and (laughs) yeah and the void the void is one the void is 
boy, oh boy, the void. The void is you time. There's no time in the void. Mm -hmm. And you're alone with your thoughts in the void. And you don't know how long it's been. Mm. And then there's your life in review. Yeah. Where you watch your life over. That can yeah. be good. And, that can be bad. And, and, and you you see, so every action in your life, like the main actions between some, another person, you feel what they felt. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So if you... um, You'd be watching talk- it from the outside and <laughs> seeing it outside yourself. Yeah, yeah. And... The other thing, then there's the other heaven ones. There's where you see your loved ones and you go through the light and there's ones where you go into a meadow hmm. and the peace and the heaven, the more heavenly ones, which is another dimension. My, I have decided, I think the best, I have decided with my ex-husband, he tortured me. He mentally tortured me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was bad torture. I mean, he, I went through torture for four solid years that I came yeah. out of really well and uh he'll have a punishment i know what his greatest fear is his greatest fear is living this life over and over and over again he's afraid the universe expands and collapses and expands and collapses bangs in bangs out and he has to do this the same way he's doing it over and over and over and over and over and he's very ill and i think being alone with his thoughts would be a good place for him so he can live his life now eat drink and be merry and when he dies he can sit in the void alone with his thoughts watching his life in review until he learns you know something. Then once he learns they can move him on it's a weird it's an in-between station wherever we go next isn't the place we're going it's yeah. an in-between place mm-hmm. before you go on to your next whatever the hell we're supposed to do next but nope, he needs to go to a nice little timeout, and once he learns, then he can come back into society and be with the other energies. And if he doesn't learn, and he breaks, they can do what they want with him. But you know, I think, I think that would be a fair and just punishment. Not forever. He won't know it's not forever, but not forever, just until he learns. You know. You know, I read in a book about um, it's all there's this person. So you get people who channel from the spirit world into you, you know what channel you know channeling and they and you I can channel yeah yeah I'm so, a medium I can channel yeah okay, right. okay well yeah. hold on a second but um so they were talking about Nazis after World War Two and see me when they were crossed over and they realised what they'd done they were inconsolable um yeah. and they were just in permanent suffering after mm-hmm. their after their death you know and it's um. I guess that's just how it is, you know? Yeah. Um, but also, I think, um, when, if you live this life thinking that's the end, this is all there is, that's no life. You can't live a life like that because yeah. that's fear, that's ignorance. You know, you know, when people, they get so afraid and they, they like hoard everything and because they think that's it, right? Um, it depends. I mean, I think there's people who can live thinking this is it. And they put all their energy into living their best life now and being the person they need to be now. A lot of people turn around selfishly and do stupid shit with it. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people who try to live their best life because they don't believe there's anything after this, you know? Yeah, I guess so. And maybe for them there isn't. You know, I I think the afterlife is very personal. I really do. 
Mm-hmm. The afterlife is very personal, and I believe if you believe some things about this giant DMT burst in your brain, and you think you're in forever, but it's just your brain dying or whatever, um, that means you have to have your thought of what your afterlife needs to be in your head already. So it's the moment of death and your DMT trip, you get the afterlife you want, you know? Mm-hmm. So scientifically, if that's what happens, you can have whatever you want and whatever you truly in your heart of hearts believe, because that's in the deepest parts of your brain that are now being exploited by chemicals that are making you think it's real. So, and the Bible and religions teach that you need to make paradise or heaven or whatever real to you. And I think that's why. I think if you want to look at it scientifically, you need to make your heaven or hell real to you in the back of your mind because that's what you're going to get in those last few moments if that's what it is scientifically. I don't know, though. Yeah. My my belief is different to that, actually. Yeah. Um, I believe the spirit world, in a sense, is more real than this world because this world, you know, like what we see on television and the movies – and what happens in real life is different. You know, people are weird, right? Okay. Yeah, so what I was saying is, you know, I don't think this world, this world is kind of fake, you know, because a yeah. lot of people, they, they're just full of shit. And they don't go through with what they mean, you know. So, that, whereas in, in some ways, the spirit world is more real because yeah. people are genuine, you know. The spirits are genuine. The spirits are who they do you know what I mean? I completely agree with you. I uh, I can channel. I've talked to dead people. I've had very strange experiences with that. And I know I'm not crazy because other people have told me I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would think, look, for half the shit that's happening, I'm like, am I crazy? No, that's really happening. Okay, mm-hmm. just checking. You're going through that too. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like with uh, spirits and stuff, yeah, you're real there. Because your energy, there's no pretenses. And I hadn't really thought about it this way until you brought it up. But yeah, you're real there. There's no pretenses. This is who you really are at that point. It's your essence, you know. And I do believe that there's something on the other side. And and I do believe you go on. I've talked to them. I have friends who see them. You know, I know they're real. I can sense them it's weird it's like um it's what you feel it's like it's what you feel inside you when you feel mm-hmm. something inside you, you can tell if that's true or false right yeah and you can you can tell right and so that yep. and so it's, it's just like a feeling you know it's like and when you go through these mental health conditions psychosis you know you, you're relying on your feeling to tell you what's real and what the hell's going on you know, it's because true. Every, everything else is out the window you know yeah. so You've got to rely on your on your feeling, and I I also feel that I can I can communicate with dead people, basically my family, um, yeah. like my parents and stuff. But I, I get a, I get an inkling, and you know I don't I I just just a feeling, you know. It's like when I went to yeah. hospital to get my vaccine jab, I had a feeling my dad came with me there, and he said, "Oh, it's so cold here," because yeah. compared to the spirit world where it's nice and warm. You know, yeah, you know, lo- like love and stuff. In in the in the hospital on Earth, it's bloody freezing because people are just, you know, insular and yeah. It's interesting. It really is. The spirit world <laughs> fascinates me, and I want to 
I want to, I don't know. I did. I, I had a severe asthma attack and they life flighted me to a major hospital and into, they intubated me and life flighted me to a major hospital. Apparently I died on the helicopter and I have a vague memory of the inside of a helicopter cockpit and of someone in white being over the top of somebody else. And I was standing off from the back of it. I'm like, Oh, that was the nurse doing CPR on me in the helicopter. Yeah, But I don't have any kind of anything after that. I think it was just the outside myself kind of feeling. Mm. But immediately after that, I wanted to contact Jehovah's Witnesses, and I joined the cult. And plenty of people do that after they die. They become religious. So, (laughs) But I'm spiritual now, and I, I think, I don't know, I just... Yeah, I just feel like I have definitely a better grasp on what happens just from experience and what I've read and what I know personally to be true mm-hmm. rather than what it says in some ancient manuscript written by men. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yes, yeah, it's like the modern. And, all, and also what annoys me is that why would you waste your life just sprouting bullshit, right? You know, if you're going to live a yeah. life on Earth, what is the point? You know, if people aren't real, and so many people are not real, right? And, and do you know what I have found? Nobody. I am real. I'm very real. Yeah. I don't have a choice. I yeah. don't. I don't have any other way to be. And people do not understand me. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. People have the hardest grasp on they don't get it. They don't get where yeah. I'm coming from. They don't understand who I am as a person. And if you just listen for a little bit, it's pretty easy to get who I am. Yeah. I'm direct. I'm to the point. I don't have time for games. I'm not yeah. warm. I'm not soft. I'm not fuzzy. I'm nice. Yeah. But, you know, I can't. And people do not know how to handle down-to-earth people, you know. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they're fake and they think I'm going to see through them. Or if they just don't know what the hell to do with all this happening in front of them. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, Nico, I think, you know, we've we've gone quite long today. Yes. Um, but it was it was fascinating to talk about, you know, spirituality as well as mental health, you know? Yeah. Because um They go hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> um I was also gonna say, you know, sometimes I reckon that you've got a sense of humor. Because when loads of shit things happen in your life, you just got to smile about it, you know? That's all you can do. That's all you can do, right? Yeah. That's all you can do. <laughs> smile yeah. and carry on. Find, if, you, yeah. if dark humor, look, if it wasn't for dark humor, I'd be in a box somewhere. Yeah. yeah because when all this shit happens, you think, okay, so what the hell else is going to happen sort of thing? I am, you know? I am telling you, I am right in the middle <laughs> of a whole situation of, what the hell next is going to happen? Yeah, what, what the hell next sort of thing, yeah. Oh, that happened. What's next? <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, let's find the humor there. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think that's a good, because it's a similar thing in my life, but I think that is a good gauge to know that you're on the right path. It is. Um, you know, because it, cause, cause, cause that's it's hard, right? So it I, is. I, I, and, I, and I think that's that's the way you know. Okay, what, i got two more questions. The yeah. final question is, is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't discussed so far? Um, just really for anybody who's struggling, keep going, keep trying, keep going to therapy, therapy yourself, 
do your own thing your way, but work through it, you know. If you can, use a voice to your advantage. I use a voice to my advantage to work through my bullshit. You know, I'll come home at night and sit alone in my house and have entire conversations, you know, just to work through <laughs> my own bullshit with myself because I'm the only one who listens anyway. But you can get better. Life can get better. I was on disability for 12 years, and I've had a job for after my son's suicide. I was on disability for 12 years, and I've had a job for two and a half years, as long as I have a job, you know. I took a shower and brushed my teeth two days in a row. Like, you can do it. Yeah, I think you can. You know, everybody's I success isn't going to be the same, but you can you can get something. Be happy. Yeah, I think um, yeah, that's a good message, and it's a similar message to what I what I like to project as well. Um, yeah. And um, I think I think you know, there's there's something to say about positive role models in mental health because you know we do lack that in like in a serious mental health like psychosis, we yeah. do lack those positive role models um, and that, that's so important. Um, okay, and the final question is, could you just tell me what kind of music do you like? Because I, I will play some music at the end of the show and at the beginning as well. What kind of music do I like? Yeah. I don't have, you know what, anything. My go-to is Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac, The White Witch. Okay. Eighties, <laughs> Tom's like that's like eighties, isn't it? Eighties, yeah. TV next eighties. Okay, fine. I will see. I'll, I will see what I can find. Thank you. You know, it was a real pleasure talking to you. You know, pleasure talking um, to you too. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you know, thank you as well. And I hope that everything goes well. And for you. Yeah, and for your listeners. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they'll get a shock when they listen to this podcast. Oh my goodness! I'm sure it'll be something. <laughs> I just want, I, yeah. <laughs> okay, let's call it a day. Thank you very much. All Kevin. right. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah.